Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-A-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? You know what? That one works. Blake, if I were to drug you, put you on a plane, and you woke up anywhere on the planet outside of the U.S., what's the best or worst spot you could imagine? Wait, what did you put in this coffee you handed me earlier? Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm your host, Blake Hodges, a man who is recently getting close to passing out from these drugs that Toby gave me. And I'm here with my co-host, who has the spy skills of James Bond, Toby Walters. You know, I've always thought about drugging you before an episode and you just like start slowly slurring and then you're just out and then I'm just hosting the podcast and there's nobody else to stop me from getting canceled by things I say. See, Toby, that wouldn't work because um, I'm articulate as four letter word is one of the things I say whenever. Yeah, I'm very (laughs) articulate. So I think you could drug me pretty hard and I'd still be fine. Is poop articulate? Uh, no, well, it does make a sound for some people, um, but if a bear does it, they don't hear it unless they're in the woods. Um, okay, Blake, today we have to, I don't need to drug you, but we need to talk about a place that is in the U S but at this place, you can actually go anywhere on the planet or in the universe, so to speak. So Blake, have you heard of the sphere? Yes, I've I've seen it online, and Toby, I'm ready to get on a plane to go see this. I'm ready to brave the planes. So, I mean, I've heard about it for months. I, um. I was listening to Smartless, the podcast, and Bono was on, and they teased about the, um, it was even before it was officially announced that U2 was going to have a residency at the Sphere. Did they tell Bono we didn't know who he was? Were they offen- <laughs> Was he offended? I know who Bono is, Blake. Oh my gosh. So uh, yeah, you've seen um, some of the footage. I watched a, a bit of a YouTube video with Bono and the Edge touring the space, and I saw, like, they just opened, I think, a week or two ago. And so I saw footage from some of our friends that got to go that like uh, Tony Stairs with Lavo was there because um, I think Lavo has some element of of the production there. But like it's unreal. Have you seen like the visuals like inside and outside? I've seen mostly stuff on the outside. Um, I've only seen a little bit on the inside, but man, I'm ready to mortgage my house and go see a show there. (laughs) That's about what it costs, it seems like. That's what I would assume. So um, some of the stats on this thing I was reading, it's great. So it was more expensive than um, the Raiders Stadium. Well, the Raiders suck. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) likes them. The and it said because of the COVID, you know, everything got more expensive in COVID and the construction costs, it ended up being over $2.3 billion. I swear, I'm gonna have this. I'm gonna have gray hair and people are still gonna be blaming stuff on COVID. <laughs> I'll be like, why can't I buy any Kleenex because of COVID? So, on the outside, so like both the inside and the outside are just absolute like technological masterpieces as far as the LED elements. And we'll get into the sound a little bit too, but on the outside, there's, I think it was 1.2 million. It said hockey puck sized LEDs. 
So I guess if they go out, like you can pop, I don't know how the technology works. I was works. literally going to bring that up when you stopped talking is when I've seen the images, I thought, I wonder what the repair cost and time is for this thing. Cause you know, stuff's going to go out eventually. Yeah. And of course there are all these people making comments online about it's going to cause accidents. And I would assume it's going to, cause there's, there's a highway right next to it. Just the visuals created on it are so stunning. And so inside it's, uh, it, it doesn't say it's the biggest LED in the world. It, you know, certainly is one of, but it's like the- Wait a minute, it's not? It's the highest resolution LED of that size in the world at this point. Um, I don't know what's bigger, but I know like some stadiums, like Cowboy Stadium has a massive LED screen, you know, in their center. We also hate the Cowboys, Toby. (laughs) So it seats 18,000 people, which is crazy for a theater. Like that's more than most basketball arenas seat. It is the shape of a basketball. And the fact that it's really like, you know, you think of an amphitheater where the seats just go up one direction. It's not surrounded, um, but 18,000 seats like that is a huge sphere. And I, I read this and I had to make sure that I was reading this correctly. There are 160,000 speakers in there. Toby, I know we talked about doing a uh, church gear field trip to Sweetwater, but can we please, 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 please do it to the sphere instead? Yes, 100%. All right, you heard it. It is on record. <laughs> Cha-ching. So, so did you see any of the visuals from like the YouTube show, like the the scenery that they create on the LED screen? I don't really care to look at YouTube oh stuff. Oh my gosh, Blake. I've, I've seen a lot of stuff on the outside. I've not seen an inside show thing. Is that on YouTube? Yeah, you can see it on YouTube. YouTube I mean, I've seen a YouTube. You, you two on YouTube. So I've seen a lot of visuals, just people posting, um, sharing on Facebook, um, pictures from stuff. Um, so they can, I mean, one of the sceneries, they're just playing in the desert and the size of the led and the way that it like all, all the way wraps around, like I'm sure sitting in there, you feel like you're in the desert. And then there are just incredible visuals they create with just things that you can't see in real life that you can do on a, I think it's like a 16K LED screen. You know what they have done is the way they shoot Star Wars. Now, I have a very small understanding of this, but like in Atlanta, they have a like a circular room with panels that they like that's how they did the Mandalorian to make it look like they're anywhere in the universe. They basically just scaled this puppy up and then now do concerts in it. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, and like lighting is very minimal. I think they have like 12 lights. And everything else well, the is whole thing all is all about light. the visuals of the LED screen. And obviously the sound, if you have 160,000 speakers in there, they just talk about, and you didn't I thought catch you that. said 160 speakers. No, 160,000 speaker drivers in there. And so they said the audio is like nothing you've ever heard. It just feels like the audio is right in front of your face. And they can, um, there's so many people talking about, like you go to a concert, Blake, what was the last concert you went to? Was it the NF? NF concert? And, you know, the sound can be like, it was mixed great at NF, yeah, but it's still it was great. like it, it exhausts your ears eventually at that level. But they're saying in this environment, the way it works, like it is simply not exhausting. It's not painful to listen to. They can turn it up. They can turn it down. And it's just like, is it soundscape? No, it's a completely different. Boo. It, I, th- I think your mind would be literally blown. Um, if, if and when we do the church gear field trip to the sphere. But if you could imagine like having a, you know, the great artists of history having an unlimited palette of things they could achieve, 
you know, I, I can't even imagine what that's like. You know, the only thing more high-end and desirable than that is uh, Drake Kelch, our, uh, the former Bethel Church Production Manager and owner of LAD Designs. Drake, welcome to the podcast, and have you seen the sphere yet in person? <laughs> Thanks, guys, for having me. Um, I have not seen it in person. I'd love to join the field trip to go check it out. But um, it's it's pretty remarkable what they did. I have seen a lot of inside clips that have come from that concert. And what you can create content-wise is pretty crazy and immersive. Do you lay awake at night and just imagine the things that you could create on the LED screen if you had full access? The things that we think about, because you know it's been going around in our group text, is like, what? What does the raster for that look like? How like how do you even create content, especially for the outside that's round, but technically on a timeline you'd be looking at it as a square, but you have to create it in a way to where it actually makes it circular. So it's like mind-boggling thinking about how you would actually create content to make it look round. Do you know or think that they've created a new technology for the designers to create this in, like, are they creating round computer monitors where they can build this stuff in 3D software? Um, my guess is that it has, it's some sort of software like viewing 360 GoPro footage or 360, you know, into 360 footage where, like, that footage, you can kind of see it get all rounded, even though it's still in a square environment you can see the, the roundness of it. So I'm assuming it's some sort of software that they're putting it into to represent the roundness. So that way you can like take your square video files and put them in another software. That's my guess. The inside is probably a lot easier because it's more linear. The outside has got to be crazy because that's a full-on circle and the stitching looks fantastic from what I've seen online it's like that content looks really really good and do you know if they're doing much camera work in there like is the band up on the screen or is it all just visuals that they've created from what i saw from the youtube conference or concert it was all visuals like i didn't see any imag i'm assuming that you could put um imag up uh, it's probably some sort of like disguise server or multiple servers to drive all that content just because of how high res the screen is. But even seeing the content that like moves up and down, it looks like it's moving up and down through the room and it's just all a video illusion to see it coming up and down. And like you were saying, the desert feel of just looking like this massive landscape and it feels like you're in this desert landscape is pretty unreal. So the visuals that you can create is pretty insane. Blake, I feel like you'd be at the concert and the visuals would go away and then they'd have the band up on the screen as iMag and you'd be like, what the heck? Who are these people on the screen? Put back the visuals. Yes. <laughs> I, I wanna, it's true. I'm going to have to text um, Bono at the end of this and be like, hey, man, uh, did you get tired of it by like the, you know, what is it, 50th show? How long do residencies go? I like. I wonder if it'll ever get tiring to them or if the mm -hmm. last day will still be as good as the first. And I do have a friend with Bono's cell number if you need it. Your friend is me. <laughs> Dude, well, you, I want to ask him, like, seriously, I, I want to know. Hang on, why hasn't he been on the podcast yet then? You know, we're, we're working out the details, Blake. Come on, Toby. <laughs> okay, well, speaking of some details, let's do some five truths and a lie with Drake Kelch. Although, Drake, uh, he knows a lot about this sphere, but he can't count. He's got us five uh, bullet points instead of a yeah. six. What if he forgot the lie? I noticed that when I... 
when I got your email back, I was like, wait a second. I hope Did I only said five things over. I hope the lie is still in there. Okay, mm-hmm. here we go. He's no, a video guy. He can't count. <laughs> Number one, I got hired for my first production job at 13. Well, he's like 16 I, now. You so beat me to that one. Number two, <laughs> I've been to 46 states and 14 countries. Now, here's the deal. Last week, Eddie got us on this one. So now I don't know who to trust with these. Um, You're wondering how many states are there in America? No, no, no. I know there's 50-ish. I say the, <laughs> I say the ish because we really got a lot of providences we don't count. Yeah. Number three, I always go chop my own Christmas tree. Hmm. Number four, I once vlogged 90 days in a row. Maybe you could ask him the Bono question, like, do you get tired of vlogging, you know, 90 days in a row like Bono does with his residency? Can you imagine shooting a video of yourself and then seeing it in the sphere? <laughs> That'd be so big. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> number five, I've owned every single red camera model made. Well, how many are there, though? Is that like an impressive thing? Do you know the answer to this, Toby? I don't know. Okay. I mean, I know the name of a few of them, Komodo and... Uh, uh, is it a dragon? Well, Komodo uh, is a dragon, so that's hilarious. Well, they're two different models, but... Um, two different dragons. All right. Yeah. Do you have a feel? You know what? I'm just... I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm going to do the... I've been to 46 states and 14 countries. Okay. And I'm going to say he has not owned every single red camera model made. Drake, who's... Nice, nice. Who's right, Drake? Um, I have not owned every no. red model. No. <laughs> I even cheated for this one. I Googled how many were there, and I saw there was only three, and I thought, this guy's probably had all three. Dang it. Well, so technically, there's only three current models. There have been a long list of models, and it gets kind of confusing. I've owned several of them, but I have not owned all of them. Um, So... And if people follow me, like, they have looked me up, you would see all the red posts, and so I was like, I'll throw that one in there, because... Mm-hmm. I could probably get someone, but I have been to almost every state and several countries. So Blake uh, learned the the term red as far as cameras go. Uh, it wasn't very long ago. And you went along with Nathan, our video tech, to visit your own church, Blake, Fellowship. And they were talking about their camera upgrade that they were doing. And they were talking about all these Canon models. And then Blake's comment was, oh, are you guys getting red cameras? I was trying to show off that I knew a term. And then all the production guys just look nice. at him and then Nathan kind of puts his hand on his shoulder and says, Blake, no more talking for the rest of this visit. I will say that was my, at my own home church. That's the toughest crowd I've ever had in my life. I could not, they, they wasn't going to work. And to be fair, Blake, like cannons often have like a little bit of red in their, you know, like branding on their cameras. So, yes. you know, it can be very confusing for, for simple minds like you. Oh, well, <laughs> speaking of something that wasn't simple, uh, how did you vlog for 90 days in a row? Did you have a topic or a theme? Um, that was back when I was touring a lot. Um, and so it was like right before I got married and then kind of went on the road a lot. And so I would just vlog every day. Um, definitely got inspired by like the Casey Neistat and those vloggers back then when they were a daily vlog was actually like a common thing. I feel like it's not anymore. And I think I posted a hundred something vlogs but only made it that 90 days in a row. And I go back and watch them now and like show my five-year-old and I'm like, wow, these are horrible (laughs) vlogs. And some are really short, some are really long, but it was, I was just trying to create something every single day. Uh, The hardest part was, yeah, like at night sitting down, editing something to tell a story and publishing it every single day was the hardest 
part of doing that. I, I don't know if I would attempt to do a daily vlog again. I do post random vlogs here and there from a tour or something, but it's more like I'll wrap up a whole tour in one video instead of trying to create something every day. And I can definitely attest to the fact that uh, my children are my toughest critics when it comes to anything video that I'm on. Yeah, I think they've loved you less now that you're in so much video content. I almost feel like they love it more because they will pull it up on YouTube. They'll watch it a whole bunch, memorize it, and then make fun of me, like repeating it all back to me. Well, maybe this is why our ad budget is getting uh, drained. (laughs) Can you tell them to lay off? Goodness. Um, Okay, so uh, you're in Colorado, right? Is that what leads you to, because you're surrounded by Christmas trees is what we assume, but are you just, um, um, did you grow up that way of chopping your own tree? Yeah, I do live in Colorado. I live in Fort Collins, which is like an hour north of Denver. But even in Redding, um, and like we've always as a family gone and cut down a Christmas tree. And so when I was dating, got married, it was like, we just kept that tradition. Like I'd bring her along to cut our own tree. And so we've just kept that tradition of always going and cutting a tree. And now like my five-year-old really looks forward to going and cutting down a tree instead of, you know, going to the lot to, to buy one. So it's just kind of something that we've always done and we'll probably keep doing <laughs> And do you do the uh, traditional Chevy Chase thing where you're cutting down, you know, way too big a tree and your wife's begging you to find something smaller, but you're like, nope, I'll make it fit. Uh, but we try to get something reasonable. Uh, I, in this house currently, we actually finally have a tall ceiling living room so I could actually cut down like a 12 to, you know, 13 foot tree and it fits. Versus like when we were in our apartment, we had a 500 square foot apartment when we were first married and it was like, you could get, you know, a seven foot tree and like, you know, it was very, very small. So like, at least we can cut down a bigger tree, but I try to like find the perfect one that's the perfect size and not chop down this massive thing. <laughs> Blake, have you ever chopped down a tree? Toby, I could kick a tree down. <laughs> no, I have never. We're going to go outside after this podcast, and you're going to prove this. All right. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> then we, I'm going to take you to the hospital. We have, you break your leg. We have workman's comp here, right? <laughs> nope. It's going to be outside the property of church gear. Dang it. Uh, man, Drake, you're kind of getting me inspired. Now I want to chop down a tree. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, cut into uh, your background. Um, tell us a bit about Bethel. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I, like, I've always been curious about Bethel. Blake, I don't know if you... Like I've always thought of Bethel as like the the music artists that come out of there, the songs that come out of there. We sing so many like Bethel songs. So the Bethel School, I'm assuming Drake, and you can tell us more about this. Like you went the production route. Is there like production routes and worship routes? And is it just a school? Is it a church? Like what's going on at Bethel? Yeah. So that is where I got hired at 13. Uh, that was my first production job, and so my family moved there to go to the school. So my, both my parents went to the school. Um, I was the kid that didn't really love going to like kids church or youth group or anything like that. And so I would volunteer and just help out in like the production world. Um, our family kind of became friends with the guy who uh, was the production manager at the time. So we were all like family friends. And so jokingly, I was like, you know, hey, I, I'm here every week doing sound for youth group. Why don't you just, you know, hire me? And it was like, I was serious, but I was also like figured he would not take me serious. And he was like, okay, sure. 
And so they hired me and I had to do the whole like school, like get a, a work permit through school and everything to actually work at that age. Uh, but I got hired to do sound for youth group. And that was kind of my start uh, there. And I, I worked up from that position. So from there, I went to like mixing monitors for school. And, and then um, as different production managers came in, I just kind of worked my way up all the way until my last three years there, I was the PM. So that allowed me to do, I, I've done every like position there. I was, I, I've done front house monitors. I've been the lighting director. I toured with Bethel Music as the lighting director. Uh, I've been over visuals uh, like for LED and all the content on the stage and then video director as well as uh, the production manager. So kind of done it all. But the school is a three-year school. And just now, like just the last two years, they've opened up a production track. So funny enough, they haven't had a production track up until now. Um, and it's really just a ministry school. Uh, the first year is about 1,500 people. The second year is about seven, 800. And then the final year is, I think it's grown. It's about 200-ish. And those are all interns. Um, that's kind of how the school works. The school keeps the production team very, very busy. Uh, so each year has um, two sound uh, engineers because they do worship every day. And so they have to facilitate that, all the speaking. There's now BSSM online, so it's an online version of the school. So the whole video team is involved all the time filming stuff. So it, it is a pretty involved thing that is um, a part of the church. Toby, instead of hiring people next time, let's make our own college because that's what they did. How that's genius. Right. And Drake, I've, you know, I've known a Bethel for 10 or 15 years as very influential cutting edge in the, you know, worship movement, worship culture was production, you know, always that way with Bethel, or is that more of a recent thing that they've really come into the, you know, the world of taking production seriously and being on the cutting edge of that? Yeah, it wasn't really until 2015, 2016, around that time where production really started growing. Worship was always a thing. And sound was always a thing that was like huge with how the record sounded, how the room sounded, but that was kind of the only focus. Um, when Clint all, he actually got hired as the production manager right after Chris Greeley. He's kind of Chris Greeley really shaped the sound for Bethel as far as like producing the music and mixing. Cause he produced and mixed most of the records from um, it was before uh, for the sake of the world is when he started coming on to the scene and then he helped hire clint and clint really came in and was like man music and sound is great you guys lack everything else huh. um, and he has a huge production background outside of the church so that helped um he really was able to help like influence production and know a lot more than just church production he knew real production um and so you know the first thing we did was change their lighting instead of running fluorescent lights in the sanctuary for worship and one look on the stage, he was like, okay, we need to not have fluorescent lights and we need to, you know, be able to change the stage look. And so it kind of, everything evolved from that point, but that was kind of the pivotal moment to where now, you know, since COVID hit, I feel like the video started becoming influential there and just kind of how they started doing things. Um, you know, I, actually before that it was about 2018, 2019 is when that's, you know, started taking place. Um, so yeah, it is a more recent thing. 
And as we traveled to uh, churches all over the country over the last couple of years, uh, we're hearing this said more and more. And I know you can help explain this, but uh, you know, churches are going for that cinematic look. You know, they've I've heard this over and over again. We're going for a more cinematic look, so we're going to red cameras or whatever. The can you explain sure. to us what that means? Yeah, um, the cinematic look that. I guess going back, the standard broadcast has been, you know, I call it traditional broadcast. It's a 60p look, which is 60 frames per second. Um, it's very, um, it's all cover shots. It's like very overview. It's like, here's the vocalist, here's the room, here's the vocalist, here's the room. It's that type of cut. We think about sports or, you know, award shows, things like that. It's all traditional broadcast, uh, and what we started doing, and I started getting this from the albums that were shot at Bethel, and they would shoot them in 24 frames per second, produce them in a more cinematic, you know, concert film type look. And my thought was always, why not do this live? Like, this looks so much better. What we post on YouTube from the albums is this cinematic, you know, produced look. And yet the live stream looks like this sports broadcast that doesn't feel very inviting. It's just very you know, overview. And so my whole goal is to take that cinematic concert film and actually just do it live. And nowadays with like the Komodos, like this guy and other cameras, you know, Sony and Canon make great cameras. It's way easier back when we started doing it. Um, honestly, the Blackmagic cameras were kind of the only cameras that were a hybrid in that. And it was a lot harder to achieve that look. And everyone kind of laughed at us for wanting to to do that look. But one of the biggest fundamental pieces to achieve that is you have to be in 24 frames per second. So and that's what movies are shot in. And yeah. Is it simply a gear swap or is it a completely fundamentally different approach to video production? Um, it's both. Uh, these days, if you have modern gear, your gear probably can support this. I mean, you can do it with pockets and an ATEM mini pro, like you can do it with simple equipment but the approach is definitely a lot different. And even trying to take the same approach with a 60p system, in my opinion, it looks really bad. And so the 24 frames per second is like the fundamental part of it to achieve the look, but then it is your approach and where your cameras are placed, how you utilize those cameras, and even like what shots you're getting. Uh, some of the things that drive me nuts about broadcast, and I'll see this on television all the time is, like there might be a guitar solo and you never see that person playing the guitar. And part of what we're trying to show, and if you watch concert films like with on Hulu and Netflix, whenever those those parts, they're actually showing what's happening. So if there is a guitar solo, they're getting a shot of that guitar solo. So that's helping the viewer feel more engaged in what's happening in the room, especially if you can't be in the room you want to see what's happening. So if you hear it, you should also see it. And that's kind of part of the approach uh, to a more cinematic style. And there's a lot more in there. There's so many things with like depth of field and camera placement. And I mean, there's so much to go into, but changing your approach and getting into a 24 frames per second workflow are like the two main things that you have to start with. Do you have to have uh, handheld cameras in order to do this? Or can you create a cinematic approach just with static cameras on tripods? Um, you don't have to have handhelds. 
and we're actually doing a conference uh, at the beginning of next year where we won't have any handheld cameras. Uh, part of that is that churches, uh, like how they want to do video is just a lot more still and a lot more simple, but with correct camera placement and um, using things like uh, dollies that can create movement without being handheld, they're still fixed to something. Uh, you can have those uh, big moves and still create a good feel for your broadcast and still make it cinematic. And, and most of that is going into like camera placement and depth of field and really good lighting that will help create that atmosphere. And Blake, we've given you a handheld camera around here before and you've, you've done your darndest and well, Toby, that's why we've got the repair room. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming Drake, you know, at most churches, like they're lucky if they have a full-time video director on staff they're lucky if they have for, a church tech on staff with maybe a part-time guy. So I'm guessing if if churches want to go in this more cinematic approach, obviously they need to understand the the work involved in that. But if you're talking about you know static cameras and dollies and um, different things like that, I assume it's easier to use less staff if you don't use handhelds. Because I assume you know we've given Blake if if you gave me a handheld camera, sure I can shoot stuff, but <laughs> who knows if it's going to be well it depends if anything it's, good if it's on the ronin i actually felt pretty decent with the ronin um but what i'm hearing is you don't hire staff you just go find the 13 year old kid in the youth group <laughs> uh, you laugh look we're looking right at him like and he's got the best display of anyone we've ever recorded with so i think that might be step one is there a lot of training involved for handheld just learning what to shoot um yeah I would say there's there's definitely a learning curve with running a handheld camera. And honestly, to your point, like some of the best ops, right? we, you know, we did this church in 2020. Um, we, we put red cameras in and all this stuff. And their best operator, who's now their director, was 16 at the time. <laughs> and he, one, he watched all of our stuff. So that helped. But he got it right away and took all the feedback that we have. And you could tell he had the rhythm. He's also, he plays um, guitar and drums, so he's musically inclined, which helps a lot. Um, he understands where the set's going, all those things. So, I, I mean, to your point, there's great, you know, 13, 16, you know, even older people that can get it really, really fast. I'm even like, I'm doing a, a coaching at a church next month and their main team is, yeah, like that 13 to 17-year-olds is like their main camera team. And they do run a couple of handhelds and they have a couple uh, cameras on sticks. And I feel like it's easiest to go crazy with your broadcast when you have handhelds. And that's like the number one thing that we get uh, feedback from pastors of like, oh, we don't like that. So it's a lot easier to get crazy with it. But if you can dial it in and own that in, which takes some time, it can add to the broadcast really, really well. But I will say there's sometimes for the directors and to create the look and the vision, it is better to go the route of like, okay, let's work with some static cameras, your main follow, your 45, your big wide of the room, and then maybe a couple lock-offs on stage that are showing keys and drums. So that way we can show the main things that's happening, but then that allows you to get your timing down. It allows you to 
get all of your establishing shots there before you start moving around. And I think, uh, you know, even in my worship pastor background, but also thinking like a pastor, I, I would assume a lot of pastors struggle with, I don't want handhelds on stage because it's really distracting to have cameramen moving around the musicians while people in the room are trying to worship. And so I've seen a lot of creative things at churches that we've got to visit recently, like with Dolly systems and like some of the flyover cameras on like pulley systems, you know, mm -hmm. it, it looks like there are, there are really cool tools these days where you, you can not distract in the room while you're doing worship and still create a lot of movement in your, in your shots. Yeah, for sure. I think these days the tools make it even easier to create this look. Uh, the cameras are smaller, the systems are better. Um, I like, I love using like the defy rhythm tracks and their, and their cable cams. Um, I love being able to replace a jib with a cable cam because for pastors, it puts seats back on the floor. Um, and it is more stealthy instead of this thing, like right above your head, it's, you know, a ways up there. Uh, we've done it where we've put motorized sliders, um, at drums and at keys. So that way it is doing this, you know, automated movement back and forth at drums which adds movement, but not a person. And it's not just a static, like single shot of the drums. It adds a little bit of feel in there. So there's loads of tools and that motorized slider, you know, back in the day would cost thousands. And now you can get cheaper ones for a few hundred that does the same thing. Blake, this whole like technology advancement makes me very upset because when I was a worship pastor, like back 15, in my day, exactly back in my day, we didn't have all these cool tools. And now like, you know, the point of entry is so reasonable. Like Drake here at church gear, we thought to ourselves, what's the lowest point of entry into a brand director? And it was Blake. Well, like back in my day, <laughs> you could get them cheaper. So Drake, what, you know, for the church that has very limited resources, what are some of the lowest points of entry for them to start looking at, you know, creating a bit of a cinematic feel for their live streams? Yeah. I mean, and I know for some churches, it might sound like a lot, but one of the cheapest setups that I did for church, it was like 14,000, I think. And that was a pretty great, setup. I, I don't even think the Ada Mini Pro was a tool at that point. So theoretically, it could get cheaper than that. Um, and that was mainly using uh, the Blackmagic, the 4K studio camera, the new one, and the Pocket 4Ks, which are kind of the cheapest cinema camera that I would recommend. I mean, they're like $1,500, I think. Maybe the studios are like two grand. So very cheap and the MFT lenses are a lot cheaper than going with like Canon glass and EF. So I think in that 10 K range, you could have a cinematic setup and that was with four cameras. Um, things like wireless are going to start, you know, making things more expensive and you're, you can always upgrade your glass. I will definitely say that I would put more money into making the lighting look good on stage than I would on the cameras. So like if I'm doing a shoot and I have the option of having minimal lighting, but I could have Komodos or great lighting and I had to use pockets, I'd probably lean towards the pockets or even the A7S and go that direction because great lighting is going to make or break that cinematic look even more. So I'll always go the lighting route. But yeah, I think 
bullet point of entry is probably a, for a good setup. And again, if you want one or two cameras, you know, it's going to be cheaper, but around that 10 grand mark using a lot of the black magic products. Like, I feel like we've heard over and over again, video and over and over video and over. directors talk about the importance of lighting for video that, you know, we understand we want it to look in the room, but if you want the video to come through, well, you need to also consider lighting for video. Yeah, it definitely seems like one of the best hot tips is if you want to make your video better, you got to talk to your lighting guy. Which, if you're the video guy, is great because all your problems are the video <laughs> or the lighting guy's you fault. Just blame the lighting guy. Yes. <gasps> so, Drake, maybe that's the answer to this question. But is what, to blame the lighting guy. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the quickest ways for churches to like immediately make their video content better? Other than hiring a bunch of thirteen-year-olds, because we know that's step one. <laughs> um. Yeah, I would say most of the places that reach out to me and we talk about their broadcast, they'll, you know, I'll do a consult and they'll send me their their live stream. Most of the time, I feel like they're expecting me to come in and be like, all right, you need to change your directing, you need to change your camera positions. Most of the time I see it and I'm like, oh, you got to change your lighting. And they're kind of <laughs> like, well, what? <laughs> but I'm like, yeah, you're, you don't have any stage wash. You don't have, you know, you don't have great front light. Your room is completely black. It's like all those things that I start going into details of and it's all lighting based. And then I get to, okay, maybe change these camera positions or try, you know, these camera moves instead. But things like we love putting uh, wash lights in the crowd because if you're not lighting the crowd, one in the audience, it can feel rather dark um, on camera. You have this black hole, black sea, as we call it of people. And then the lit stage looks really odd. Um, I have and when you can light that. them, yeah, exactly. When you light them, it actually feels better in the room, in my opinion, with a um, a nicely lit audience, even during worship, and then being able to change the colors to match what's happening on the stage. So now you're inviting everyone into the same atmosphere instead of separating the two. So now you're all the same. Having lights that change colors really helps, and you can do it with you know modern house light fixtures or RGB. W and then, or at Bethel, we didn't have that. So we just used cheap, like the mega light strobes. They're, they're strobes, but they're big wash lights basically. And just washed the whole room with it. And it created this um, contrast for video, but you can still see the audience. So when we're getting reaction shots, when we're doing the big wides with jibs, instead of just this black hole, uh, you're seeing the people actually be able to be in focus. Um, so that's a big one. Getting your key light, like your front light, uh, correct. Uh, a nice wash for speaking. If your singers aren't stationary, or if they are stationary, having like spots that are dialed in for those spots. Um, and then having good wash over your stage. Like it's fun to have tight beams and things waving around and churches love that. But if you don't have that general wash over the stage, your video is going to suffer. And like, for example, we never light band members individually. We just have a big enough, good enough wash over the stage and around the stage that they're being lit from the color that's being put on the stage. They're never being directionally lit. The only people that we front light are the vocals or the speakers. Um, so those are kind of the main things that I always start with, with churches wanting to upgrade their video. I feel like Blake, if we could just, you know, educate churches and production. And I know a lot of people that have been in production a long time realize these things, but 
it, it's often just the simplest beginning thing that you need to start with. We always jump to, well, shoot, I got to buy a new, you know, Digico Quantum 338 because my sound system doesn't sound good. Like it's often the simplest thing. It's often the source that you're providing. It's like the drums don't sound good. Well, have you changed the heads? You don't Is need your new mics. drummer awake? <laughs> also, you, you heard Zach Brady. Never waste a good crisis. You know, sometimes now I'm starting to wonder how often something's broken or not. It's a good call. Well, even like with sound, like you mentioned, you could have a 338, great console. If you have, you know, a cheap QSCPA or a room without treatment, that 338's doing hardly anything to improve your sound. Yeah. Maybe your online mix is going to sound great, but your room is still going to sound really bad. So there's the fundamentals that you have to do first. I would always recommend a good PA and stick with your X32 before you upgrade your console with a really, really bad PA. That's a good point. All the best techniques in the world aren't going to sound good if they're coming out of a bad PA. Um, Drake, whenever you're talking to churches, do you ever have a difficulty explaining kind of the why behind, you know, why video is important? Because you're consulting for churches and they like, yes, they got to be able to hear it. But do you ever have to, you know, do some of that mission vision kind of work between saying this is why good video is important to reaching, you know, the lost with the gospel? Um. Honestly, I think that that has changed since COVID because every church had to flip gears really fast and go online if they weren't because no one was allowed to meet in person. And so I feel like that trend for not wanting good video or even video at all has completely changed to where now everyone wants that video. And even if they're back in the room, which everyone is probably back in the room, they still live stream, even if they weren't before. And so now um, most of my calls that I get are churches coming to me saying, Hey, we got this system when we had to go online, but now we really want to make it better. Like how do we make this better? And sometimes it's, they got a great backbone and they just need some better cameras or sometimes it's a whole new system. And sometimes they have amazing gear. It's just the approach on how they're doing video. So I don't feel like I'm, I'm having to argue with anyone that the importance of having video anymore. Uh, Drake, talking about um, consulting for churches, and I've seen you uh, talk about this online recently, um, you know, churches often get bad advice and they get the wrong integrator uh, doing their project. Let's, let's mention a friend of ours, the right integrator, uh, you know, Summit integration that's just down the road from you. Like, I'm not worried yeah. if a church hires Summit integration. They're going to get incredible, sure. you know, everything and everything. Like, they're going to be well taken care of. But what are some of the yep. common things that you're seeing of churches just not knowing what they're getting into, getting bad information? Like, what are you often coming, having to come in and help re-educate or fix for them? Yeah, um, I think, sadly, there's so many integrators, and a lot of them are great. And a lot of them, I mean, you know, it's pretty split. They just don't know exactly what they're doing, or they have their, their way of doing things that might not be professional. Um, so I feel like a lot of times it's me coming in and giving the advice of one, I would always bid out your project. Don't just go with one person and get their bid. Look at all the other players that you could. And I understand sometimes you can't fly in people 
um, like you can't fly in Summit or you can't fly in Skylark or any of these integrators um, who are going to be more expensive. But I would definitely get multiple bids just to make sure one, you're not getting ripped off. I think that's the number one thing that I see is sadly churches are still getting ripped off by integrators where they're paying high dollar to not getting great equipment or the equipment's not getting integrated properly. Um, so I would definitely look at the resume of that integrator of like previous jobs. It's really easy to reach out to another church and ask them how it went with that integrator. <laughs> and they're going to be more than happy to talk about it, uh, whether it is good or bad. And those are kind of the, the things that I'm helping in conversations of just like, Hey, let's make sure you get the right gear for your room and not just what the company can sell you. Cause some of these integrators, I mean, the big ones can sell whatever it's fine, but some of the smaller ones, they sell what they can get and what they're dealers of. And sometimes that's not what should be in that room. And that's where we like to come in and help them understand like, okay, this is actually what your room needs or should have rather than what you're being sold. If that makes sense. Blake, it should be nice if we could just fix every instance that churches are getting bad information. I was going to joke, should, you know, us, Drake, a couple of our buddies, should we all get together uh, and kind of make a list of who to work with and who to not? It'll kind of just be like our little black book. And it's uh, it's like a mythos. You know, we don't publish it. It's just church text, pass it around from one another. And that's how we, you know, weed out these integrators that are giving them bad gear. I think we need like a Yelp for no, it's got to be secret. It's gotta oh, be it's got to be secret? Okay. Well, it's got to be secret because one, that builds the mythos. And two, that's... Secret Yelp. Yes. <laughs> secret Yelp. <laughs> you can, maybe you could be the Duke of Secret Yelp. Ooh, I can check in the most. Okay, Drake, uh, who are some of the... Uh, let's just start with churches. Like, are there certain churches out there that you are watching because they're doing such cool stuff? Um, what have you seen that's really interesting lately? And when is your next rap album coming out? <laughs> cute, Blake. Cute. Um, honestly, I feel like I try to watch as many like live streams on Sunday and that, that kind of thing as possible. Uh, YouTube kind of feeds me a lot of <laughs> so like a true millennial. <laughs> YouTube really feeds me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think honestly, the big churches are doing so. I mean, obviously passion, their sets are really cool in the blogging code. They just did their conference, which was a really cool set. Um, and I think I'm always looking at ideas to take it to the next level. Like I, and I'll get inspired by one element that a church is doing. Um, even, but I take that beyond churches. I like to go watch like TV and actual like concerts that are being done outside of the, the church world and define that one element that's like, Oh, I like that. Let's, you know, let's take that idea, those kinds of things. Um, so I would definitely recommend if you're trying to design and create a broaden your search beyond what the church is doing. <laughs> I don't know if this is directly answering your question, but there is a lot of really cool things being done um, outside of the church world. And if we can get inspired by certain elements that they're doing and bring it into what we're doing, I think it can, be really successful. And are there any projects that you've been involved in recently that you're really proud of? Like you guys did something different and unique and that you're excited about. Um, one of the cool projects that we got to do this year um, is we filmed the uh, one day Houston event, which is like a 
a charity conference or not conference concert, basically uh, a benefit concert. And I mean, that was really epic. Nothing's out yet. And it's, I'm not sure when, if all the footage is going to get released, but it was multiple different artists. And, you know, we filmed it all like all on reds and we had, you know, two rhythm tracks and a cable cam and it was in an arena. That was kind of a really cool project for us. Um, but we have next year, we have multiple projects that are we're working on that I can't talk about yet that I'm really, really excited for um, kind of the vision and where they're heading production wise. So I, I think next year it's going to be really fun with like the whole all stage design stuff, set design. That's going to be really fun. Uh, but yeah, this year, that one day Houston event was probably a, a really fun way to bring what the cinema broadcast, what we do into an arena and film non-Christian artists was really cool. Blake, do you think uh, he can't talk about it, but it's, it's actually Drake's tour next year? I was going to say, are you working with anybody we would recognize? You're really teasing us here. You don't have to say uh, who, we actually, would we recognize them? Yeah, would we recognize their name or the event name? Uh, yeah, probably. Is it the um, Super Bowl? Come on. Oh, I, I wish. <laughs> um, we actually were talking um, through Defy, who makes the cable cams and stuff, they were going to have multiple um, systems on Drake's tour. And it was kind of funny because they were like, you know, had called me asking if I wanted to operate any of these. And I was like, well, that'd be kind of funny. Um, but then I think he broke his leg or something and they canceled the, the tour, or at least part of the tour. And so it was like, that never ha- happened. <laughs> That's <laughs> unfortunate. Man, we could have had Drake on Drake, Drake squared. And I've, I've always wanted to know, well, not always, because this has been a more recent thing, but Blake, if you notice, like in the last couple years of the NFL, um, the live streams that, you know, we have the normal sports broadcasting, like the wide shot, but then when they're scoring touchdowns, like the handheld, and it's very in focus, oh, and then yeah. very uh, out of focus around the edges. How do they do that, Drake? I'm not a video guy, but it's so cool. Yeah, they have started doing their um, depth of field cams, as they call them. Or, and I've seen and talked to some people about this. Uh, usually, they're using like FX9s because right now uh, Sony has the Super Bowl uh, contract, so they're mostly using Sony cameras for that. And so they use a lot of times the FX9 and sometimes even the FX3 on the sidelines, getting those super shallow depth of field. And so that's you know a big. Uh, full frame sensor, um, glass that is very fast. So it's probably, you know, those 1.8 lenses that are getting that massive uh, depth of field versus the cameras that are shooting, you know, up in the stands, the coverage, they're using big box lenses and they're in that, uh, you know, four to five, six range as far as aperture goes. So more is in focus and that's part of being able to see the whole playing field in focus. You kind of need that to be that way. But then to get those, you know, very uh, depth of field dynamic shots on the sidelines, they're using faster glass. So it's just a different approach uh, to how they're shooting it. And it, it has been really interesting to see how sports and bigger broadcasts have taken this cinematic turn and started implementing little things into their broadcasts. 
Blake, I almost feel like I'm rooting for any team to score just so I can see those shots because they're just so cool. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they premiered this when the Commanders were playing because I was watching one of their games. This is the first one I'd saw, I'd seen it on, um, and it was such a great shot. Uh, they just never score touchdowns. They're <laughs> quite a disaster of a team. Um, you know, Drake, speaking of disasters, uh, you got any great disaster stories for us? Maybe when the video cut out or someone knocked over your you know library of red cameras and they all broke, like... Got any uh, disaster stories for us? Oh, man. This one I was trying to think of when I read it on the script. I was like, what can I say? And, I, and I've seen equipment break. I mean, when I was really young touring, you know, I, I've dropped LED tiles accidentally or, you know, I, you know I've seen a, a cart go underneath the wall as it's coming down and like a tile got ripped off. Um, so, but, you know, I was trying to think. I, I've seen a... A Canon, like a the, an eighty five Cinema Prime. It's like a five thousand dollar lens or whatever. Like roll off the table onto the ground. Like I've seen that happen, um, and that's you know pretty heartbreaking when gear like that just rolls off the table. Um, I was trying to think of a disaster story, but a funny one was um, uh, a buddy William Monroe and I. We got stuck in the Texas snowstorm that happened um in what was that 2021 is that when that happened um mm -hmm. and we were stuck in our hotel and uh we went to target to get frozen meals that we could cook in our microwave and there was hardly anything left and we were just lucky that the hotel power like stayed on but we definitely got stuck in that for a couple of days um drove to houston to try to get a flight out and the hotel couldn't accept our reservation. The flight got canceled. We somehow found an Airbnb in a really sketchy part of Houston to stay at. Um, it was, yeah, that was quite the the story. We finally got out of there, but that was pretty crazy. That was when you're on tour. Um, we were on tour. We were actually doing an install for a church. Got it. And uh, we were there installing all their gear, and it just so happened that you know the warnings of snow came, and we were like, "It's Texas. What?" like what's going to happen. Right. And then no, it, it really snowed. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, so all my immediate family lives in uh, DFW area. And I think my parents didn't have power for like almost two days. It was wild. Mm -hmm. They say don't mess they with Texas cycling. unless you're snow. Yeah, they were cycling the power where we were at in Houston. It was on for two hours off for four hours and they were like, I don't know why they had to do it, but they were cycling it between, you know, power grids. That way your fridge would be on for, and your heater would be on for a couple hours and then it would be off and that kind of thing. Well, Texas is dumb and they're <laughs> independent. They are, no, I'm serious. The entire state is coming for you right now. I'm buddy. just, well, I am a Commanders fan. I'm just kidding. But if you look at it, their power grid is set apart from the rest of America. Like they're the only state that does that. So we couldn't send them any extra electricity. I mean, Texas is almost its own country. Nah. I think most of the residents I mean, there would prefer it to be their own country. Well, I'll be the first to become their own country. Mm-hmm. Drake says like the fall of America is happening <laughs> next year. Oh goodness. Um, well, before America falls, uh, we better wrap this episode. So Drake, uh, give us a tech takeaway, something we could tell our, uh, our church tech folks that would make their lives easier, whether that be not to travel to Texas or to buy every <laughs> red camera that there is. Honestly, I probably, uh, I mean, I definitely said it earlier, but if you're really going for 
great video, make sure that your lighting is um, dialed and you put focus into your lighting. And if you have an operator running lights, make sure he has a multi-view to where he can see what the cameras look like right next to him. I see that all the time where LDs are running lights and they can't see what the cameras look like. And so they're just doing whatever they want for the room and don't pay any focus towards what the cameras look like. So you still need to see what the cameras look like. Mm. That having the view is a good, that's a good thought. That's a good one. I like that a lot. You can't adjust. Yeah, we haven't heard that one on there because yeah. yeah, you can't adjust it if you don't see it. Yeah. That's cool. Well, Drake, uh, what do you yeah. want to plug, man? It sounds like you you got a lot going on, so I'm sure you got something to plug here. Mm, I we do too much. Um, <laughs> but I mean, our biggest things are um, consulting for churches. Whether you're wanting to do, if you're in the process of doing an install, you're looking at doing an install, um, and then consulting with your you know your stage design, your video look, that kind of thing. Anything uh, production visual related, uh, we love to come in and help consult, um, design your system. And, or, um, if you're looking to film a concert, your live album, um, looking for camera help or stage design help. That's, that's what we do. And where can people find you? Uh, the easiest way, I mean, my Instagram, Drake Kelch, um, and K E L C H. That's the last name. And then, um, laddesigns.co is our website. Um, contact information is on there our portfolio is on there everything like that so everything that we do is through live designs that's our our main uh, business nice well they know where to find you now um, so get ready get ready for those Instagram DMs uh, Drake thanks, <laughs> thanks for guys. thanks for coming on the show man yeah thanks for having me it was real fun thanks for hanging out with us We hope to see you back next week for more absurd stories, tech takeaways, and overall buffoonery here at the Church Gear Studios. Blake, I feel like on this episode title that we don't need its last name. I mean, that's just superfluous. Let's just put, you know, this episode featuring Drake. Uh, Yes, let's do it. I'm down. Sold. I don't think there'll be any confusion as to which Drake we're talking about. You know, I think uh, Drake Kelch will naturally just drive thousands and thousands and millions of of listeners to this episode if we just drop his last name. Toby, are you saying we're willing to halfway lie to get a bunch of listens on an episode? Well, now I'm thinking like, are there any production guys with first name Beyonce? Okay, well, if you can help keep me and Toby from commit committing half sins, uh, <laughs> send this episode to a friend. Uh, you know, just text it right to him. Be like, hey, this is a great episode and I love it. And also, uh, I'm the video guy and you're the lighting guy and I need you to step it up so my video will look better. Just like Drake's. That was good. I was wondering what you were going to use. In okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church to year. T- Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke. That didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.